Have you ever wanted to be the first to know if aliens really exist? Well, with Nebula, you can be! Nebula is the streaming service that's home to its Probably Not Aliens, as well as our YouTube channels. And the best part? All of our content goes up early on Nebula. So when we break first contact with E.T., you'll be the first to find out. That's right, you'll be able to listen to the next episode of this show before anyone else. Plus, we post bonus content that you won't find any other place. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and be the first to know if this time it really is aliens. Tristan, you're married, yeah? I've heard rumors, yes. Actually, my anniversary is on Saturday. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Seven um, years? Wow, that's amazing. Wait, six well, years. Hold on. Six years. Okay. I'll edit it. I'll, I'll make that seamless in the editing okay. so that you definitely knew how many or years. Or just now that I know, that my, now my wife listens to this podcast, so you could actually just make it so that I get in trouble. But yeah, my anniversary is- I wield is... tremendous power. Yes. So let me ask you a question. When when your lovely wife, who is listening, hello. Hi, Kelly. Uh, hi, Kelly. When your lovely wife gets, um, maybe she has a cold or is nursing an injury, how, how sympathetic are you to that? Do you like to sort of nurture and like provide or just be like nice and sweet and help out? Or are you just sort of like, you know, f- fend for yourself? There was one time when she had an upset stomach where uh-huh. I ran about like five or six blocks to find a place that was open that sold Pepto-Bismol. That is, that is amazing. And you, that's tremendous effort. That's love. Honestly, that's what that is. That's love. I bring this up because um, my, my girlfriend is the exact opposite. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) She has almost no patience for me if I'm sick or injured. If I get sick, She'll she'll give me she'll give me one and a half days is what she says. She'll, she'll give me one and a half days of sympathy, but that's that's even then. So we know who doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> no, she listens. She's gonna be upset with me. She's here right now. She can probably hear me talking. Uh, but that's that's deceiving. That one and a half days, right? Because what that really means is I'm like talking, like looking over my shoulder while I'm talking. Because what that really means that one and a half days is that there'll be one evening where she'll be nice, and then the other half days when she's at work so she doesn't have to deal with me and then she'll come home oh and then she'll just be like all right why aren't you better now and so i will literally <sighs> be feeling so ill you know i'll be in bed all day and she'll walk in from work and be like well you could have at least made the bed you know oh, gosh. <laughs> and, has are you are you trying to say that COVID has finally come home no so I bring all this up because I went to the dentist today to get some fillings put in. Ooh, fun. And I'm also going to have to get my wisdom teeth taken out Ooh, pretty soon. Ooh, that one's fun. Which is going to be great done. for... Yeah, we're going to learn... That's going to be great for a podcast. Hey, she's probably not And so... Uh, I basically, I, I, I came home so sore, so, so injured. I had a, I mean, that's basically what, uh, what fillings are, what dentistry would like any sort of like minor sort of surgery. That's just a planned injury. Right. So I came home real sore and she was very, very helpful, but then always reminded me, all right, tomorrow you're, you have to be better because <laughs> oh this goodness. is it. Maybe, maybe, maybe you should just think of it like inspirational, you know, like she's like trying to like mind over matter your body mm. into health. I know it's because Emily is a friend of mine, so I don't want her to get mad at me. So I just want this energy. Oh, this is good. Put on Scott. Um, That's a good play. There was, yeah. there was a time uh, when I had a filling fall out of oh, my no. face. Oh, no. Uh, and this happened like in February or March of 2021, oh, no. right 
at the like most intense part of COVID. That was like when like the really bad Delta wave was happening and like the entire province was like on super lockdown. Like that was the stay at home order times and everything mm. because Canada didn't have vaccines yet by that point. Um, if you remember, Canada was really delayed on those. Um, That's right. Yeah. And so... <laughs> I had to like go like if you ever I don't know what I imagine now there's like there was nothing special at the dentist but like I was like going to the dentist was like that scene in E.T. where like Uh the government captures the alien. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's in hazmat suits. Yeah exactly. Yeah. It was because like because not only was it uh, like you know it was alien it was like well it was it it, it is alien time but um, it is alien time. But it was a situation in which I had to not wear a mask because they had to be tinkering around in my mouth so mm. they had to basically make the entire room wear a mask <laughs> yes yeah that's a hard one to get around when you're just rummaging around through someone's mouth it's hard to have them wear a mask at the same time and it's not them it's not it wasn't something that you could put off either like i had to no. basically mainline advil for like the week and a half i had to wait because it hurt yes. a lot no thank um, you anyway i i just wanted to say i love my girlfriend very much and she's great and uh I don't I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to use these cold opens as like a you know me practicing my my stand up comedy routine by being like my girlfriend. Rah. Yeah, you're turning into a boomer comic. That's what it sounds like and I don't mean it to. I just thought it, I just always think it's genuinely very funny how sh- how how I will get a lot of love and warmth and then it will immediate the drip will stop immediately and I'll just be like all right, be better now. Emily is the American healthcare system. That's how that's what it is. And you know what? <laughs> I wouldn't change a thing. Emily, you're the cobra of partners. <laughs> Thank you. All um, right. Wait, so uh, wait, so this is a podcast. This is the relationship advice podcast. This is a relationship advice podcast now. And uh, if you're new listening and you're like, what is what was the first five minutes that I just listened to about? <laughs> Um, this is the show. This is what you've signed up for. And in between doing relationship stuff, we also do try and debunk some ancient aliens, myths and conspiracy theories and talk about the world and talk about history of real places and people and cultures. And um, but that's no one's really here for that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, that's if, why it's if, called it's probably not aliens. It's probably not aliens. Right. Because we don't we're, we're not here to talk about aliens. But it definitely is uh, a deal breaker. Um, can't can't put Put, can't put a ring on that. I don't know where I'm going with this. E.T. has a finger. There's a ring involved. There's a joke here somewhere. I've yes. I've built you. I've given you audience members a DIY joke. This is uh, the rogue build one it of jokes. Your, um, build here it are all your the own pieces leisure. of a joke. Uh, yes. If build, they were build. only put together better. <laughs> it's it's an Ikea joke. Uh, hi, my name is Scott. I'm Scott Nicewander. I'm the person on this podcast who knows nothing. I am here to learn uh, about, about, the, about the fun stuff, about the not problematic stuff. And my name is Tristan Johnson. I know everything about relationships. I know about all relationships. Uh, but also, side project, I also do a little bit of research onto weird conspiracy theories and pseudo-history and pseudo-archaeology for this podcast. Yeah. Some would say this was our best intro that we've ever done. The, nothing could be, uh, that one where like we were, there's one where we were like a solid 10 minutes in before we even started talking on topic. The Star Wars one, I think there's, I think that's, that's true. Yeah, there's a so. lot of, we just, we we just, we basically made this podcast as an excuse to talk to each other, um, but mm-hmm. it has to be recorded or else, you know, it's not content. So uh, what are we talking about today? Okay. So this is a fun one. We talked about this last week and I said I was going to get to it and mm-hmm. then I um, investigated it. So it's like half grab bag, half not grab bag on a sort of Basically, like, uh, here's how it went down. I watched this episode of Ancient Aliens where they talked about the Cholula Pyramid and they said, like, hey, it has all these layers because uh, like an onion and an ogre, it's tapping into the energy lines of the planet Mm -hmm. to be a sort of power plant. And then uh, they talked about world grid theory uh, as the thing that explained it about people who wrote about um, about a grid of lines around the planet. And uh, when looking into it, I found several different types of people drawing lines on the planet and thinking Lots that's of significant for supernatural reasons. Yeah. So um, we're going to kind of delve into that today. We're going to delve into um, drawing lines on the world uh, that connect dots of famous 
natural and uh, archaeological places and then saying that that is either energy vaguely or um, or something to do with alien stuff or it means uh, something. It's got to mean something. I drew these lines and they look like lines. So it's yeah. got to mean something. Many people claim uh, that that's that's the way that they talk about an ancient aliens. Many people, millions of people are saying yeah. <laughs> uh, millions of people believe that the Earth has a grid of energies uh, around the globe that connect important and sacred sites. On a grid, you can have Stonehenge, the Egyptian pyramids and the Great Wall yeah. of China, which itself is a line because <laughs> it's a wall. Gonna, that one's that one feels like cheating because you can there's it's very long. And so where do they point? Where do they connect it to? What point do they connect it to? The beginning, the end, the middle, any part of it? That's a great question. Um, next thing. Next uh, thing. <laughs> um, but if you look on these maps, you see that many of them are connected with straight lines. Mm-hmm. You can already see where this is getting a little bit dubious. <laughs> it's yeah. So you've y- yeah, we'll get to it later. But you've attached an image to this uh, to this outline, and uh, I'm sure I'll tweet it out. And there, it doesn't look like there's any rhyme or reason for these <laughs> shapes. So this is true. Um, but so, yeah, basically, like, are all these monuments and sites uh, built by ancient people with lost knowledge tapping into unknown Earth energies, mm. especially along these, quote unquote, ley lines? And I know so this... when that happened, ley lines is this tapping into my mom's like, uh, you know, new age uh, psychic stuff when I was a kid. And I'm like, I remember ley lines. And I'm like, OK, mm-hmm. we're going to do ley lines. So today is about ley lines. World grid theory is the Earth a D20 is. Uh, <laughs> what is what what is a triangle? Have um, we rolled in that one? <laughs> seems like it. So that so that this is the sort of area we're going into today. Fantastic. Is so this is because we, we mentioned this a couple episodes back about ley lines, and I thought they were ghost things for some reason, but they're um, sort of earth energy beliefs. Is world grid theory where ley lines come from? This is where that concept comes from. No, they're actually. Um, I thought they were. And this is the thing. Ancient aliens sort of doesn't distinguish between the two. Uh, I think that they reference um, the same thing with Cholula in two different episodes. One they call ley lines and one they call world grid theory. It's so, doing double duty. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, and these, then, these big monuments, they, they're not just connected to one conspiracy theory. They're they are cool enough. They can do all of them. Yeah, like do you connect, like, is the is the world grid AC and then the ley lines are DC? Is this like... Yeah, it's different currents of, of, of world energy, yeah. And we've got different facts and sections of people who are trying to uh who are they're trying to debate over it an elephant was killed in some capacity but Mm -hmm. it's all for science you know that elephant was killed in canada and um the city where that elephant was killed by uh for anyone who's no um thomas edison to show how dangerous alternating current was electrocuted an elephant uh Mm. to show it to basically undermine nikola tesla and his desire to implement alternating currents um but the town where that is has a microbrewery uh, where they make uh, this very nice, very hoppy IPA called Dead Elephant. Oh. <laughs> and uh, if you go to any liquor store in Ontario, the province I live in, you can get mm. cans of Dead Elephant and it is actually very tasty. Oh, that's, I mean, embrace it. Embrace the weird history of your town. Yeah. Um, so grids, grids, are we on one? So, so this is, this, this goes back to all sorts of stuff. And like, I'm going on like the season one episode where they talk about it, but it comes back in season 12, I want to say when they talk about ley lines. So this is like all over the place, but basically it all comes back to a guy by the name of, uh, Pythagoras. Now, do you know who Pythagoras is? Um, theoretically I do. Theoretically I do. Yeah. If you guys remember your Sokotoa, um, if, if you got if you if you have trauma of trying to remember trigonometry, you'll probably remember Pythagoras. This is a triangle guy. Yes. Not to be confused with Triangle Man. Triangle Man, um, who can do everything a triangle can. Yeah. Um, get in a fight, triangle wins, triangle man. Anyways, sorry, just needed, That's to, be, the story. needed to finish it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like when somebody says, I'm sailing away. You know, you have to now finish the song. Yeah, um, but, uh, which we're not going to do. Yeah, we're not going to do Leave people in suspense. So that you have to do it at home. Um, so the thing is that Pythagoras... And I, I kind of wish I had done a little bit more digging into this because um, I feel like this would have been real fun juice. But uh, Pythagoras did obsess over the sort of triangles and like the Pythagorean the- 
theorem is that, you know, the hypotenuse of a triangle is equal to something, something with the two sides and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Yeah. Um, but what I did not know is that um, Pythagoras started a cult um, oh. where basically he thought that um, those that triangle ratio had like sacred implications and like oh. basically started like a triangle cult. Okay, now that is interesting. Man, do I want to come back to that at some point because <laughs> people people really love sacred geometry in sort of like uh, yes. these sort of circles where, you know, things being in shapes is a really big deal. So uh, maybe I'll do the full Pythagoras uh, cult story because it sounds real fun. But uh, we're actually talking a little bit about uh, one of his followers, a guy by the name of Plato. I've already made the joke. You already about made the, the Plato. I joke, already yeah. made the Plato joke. But uh, Plato uh, had a thought because the thing is, like back then, they knew the Earth was spherical, right? Uh, spheres, yeah. famously, not triangles. Well, they so, thought the Earth was spherical. Yeah. We now know. We now know it's flat. Well. Uh, <laughs> And like, you know, the earth does look flat from the ground. And so Plato was like thinking, okay, maybe the earth is round. Yes. But what if it is like kind of like going by Pythagoras idea that like, you know, triangles have like this important cosmological thing mm. that the earth is actually uh, a, 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 a not not a sphere, but is like it's made up of it's like a video game. Yeah, it's, like made, it's made of, of polygons. polygons. Yeah. So he wrote that the earth that uh, viewed from above would actually look like a ball sewn from 12 pieces of skin. So basically saying that the earth is a dodecahedron, but uh, Scott, to make it more accessible, it's a Mm -hmm. D12. It's a D12. The one the one die that I never get to roll uh, in You're D&D. playing a barbarian right now, so yes, you do. I, that the I, D12 was made for the barbarian. Well, maybe eventually I'll actually do something with it. You just got to get yourself a big axe. That's my problem. Mm-hmm. So, that, so, you know, Plato writes this thing thousands of years ago. We don't think about it that much. Um, but then fast forward to the 1960s and some Russian scientists, who I could not find the name of, by the way. Very mm, interesting. Um, cover up me? Maybe. Hmm. Yeah. They published an article in a popular science journal called uh, Kimia i Zichin or Zichin. I don't know. I don't know Russian, but um, basically wrote an article in that wondering if the world is a giant crystal. Oh, they said that there's nothing to prevent that the Earth is a giant crystal. Uh, <laughs> okay. And that um, that the crystal might be hosting what they called a, quote, matrix of cosmic energy. Oh, and that you could still see parts of this shape to this day. And this would be like the grid. It would go mm-hmm. along the grid. Yes. Okay. So they basically theorized different ways that could be designed. Like they looked at um, Pythag- they looked at the Pythagorean one that said that the Earth was made of 12 pentagons, mm. i.e. the D12. But then they uh, kind of came to a different conclusion based on their own mathematics which concluded that it is um, overlaid with uh, 20 equilateral triangles and that the entire geometric shape can be seen in its influence on the um, the sites of ancient civilizations because on all of the corners and lines and stuff like that, you see uh, fault lines, magnetic anomaly, anomalies, mag- uh-huh. magnetic anemones, um, <laughs> and things that like at, at the intersection of all these lines, you see these kinds of like odd phenomenon. But that does mean they came to the conclusion the Earth is not a D12. Yeah. It is a D20. <laughs> it's a D20. Yeah, you're going to let that slip by. No, the Earth is a D20. And uh, all of us nerds are, uh, I mean, we're just gods rolling little Earths around when we play D&D. This feels like, this feels like the title of the episode, Is the Earth a D20? <laughs> is the Earth a D20? That is, that's like, that's like part of, that was like the major claim that happened in Russia. And then I found a believer uh, in this who talked about evidence that this is the case. And boy, oh boy, the first thing they came up with was uh, Mm -hmm. a a returning champion to this show. And that is the Piri Reese map. Hey, wow, (laughs) we're back. I didn't think we were going to keep talking. We we mentioned the Piri Reese map even uh, a couple episodes ago, I think. So Mm -hmm. we keep coming back to it. Yeah, um, because they point out that there's something very strange about the Piri Reese map that makes no sense. 
uh, mm. compared to maps of today, which is that um, all maps have something called a close uh, de vent, uh, which is sort of like the, you, you know how like everything, uh, maps have grids on them and uh, mm-hmm. f- and those have, have to, ori- or they have to originate somewhere. Uh, most time it's the North Pole, but there's something really weird about the Piri Reese map, even though half of it's missing. So that that's a problem. So we don't actually- that's, Yeah, that's also it. bad. Yeah. Um, half the Piri Reese map is missing, but it looks like the lines converge in a place called uh, the Syene region of Egypt. Um, now, um, if you look at the map here, uh, just to show the map is a, is, you know, a place in Egypt and it seems that on the Piri Reese map, all of the points come out from that. Um, okay. what comes to mind from what I remember of the research of the Piri Reese map that might be interesting is that that point in Egypt is very close to a thing that was very, com- because like, here's the thing about Piri Reese map is that it was made in the Ottoman empire and the Ottoman empire is made up of Muslims and mm. there was a thing about Muslim cartography. I think I learned this when I was making a video for uh, Kings and Generals about uh, Muslim cartography okay. uh, about the Islamic Golden Age, which is that they basically developed a uh, map projection because um, I don't know if you know this about Islam, but Muslims have to pray five times a day. Um, yes. And one of the things they have to do while praying is they have to face Mecca, yeah, the I holy didn't know city that. of Mecca in Saudi Arabia today. Um, there's a lot of things like people like now uh, people wonderfully have apps on their phone to manage where Mecca is and everything like that. I think is really oh, cool. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it does mean that medieval maps uh, or maps made in the Islamic world at this point uh, had it so that all of their lines converged. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) And if you look at the map here, you can see that that point in Egypt, suspiciously close to Mecca. (laughs) That's interesting. (laughs) Coincidence? Maybe. Yeah. Roll an intelligence check. Oh, boy. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to look into like who's like the the proponents of this. And I'm not a person who wants to judge a book by its cover, but I found this book on the topic called Anti-Gravity in the World Grid. I just want to get your vibe on the Photoshop skills of this. It's pretty good. So what I'm looking at here is um, first and foremost, a really ugly font. Can I just throw that out there? It looks it's like a really almost, ugly font. it's something like it's like if Pyrus and Comic Sans had a baby. That's a really good description of it. And it's got like a it's got a like a, a Photoshop sort of bevel emboss sort of look to it. So it's a little shiny. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't look great. But the uh, the thing in the middle, the main draw to this book cover is what looks like the Earth facing North America. And it's got grid lines. It's got lines all over it connecting to everything, every which way. It looks like there are just random points in the ocean because I guess yeah. they had to make the ocean darker to make the uh, the the con- the you know the land masses stick it, out a little a bit more. It's a big and intricate enough grid that literally anything on Earth could be on these lines. Yeah, um, it looks like a mess of lines. Yeah. It looks like, yeah, it looks like if you just yeah you're literally just drawing straight lines between anything and everything now i want to draw your attention to the author of this book uh, a guy okay. by the name of david hatcher childress oh i know Does that this name, name sound familiar to you oh, at all? this name sounds real familiar <laughs> didn't know your middle name was hatcher good on you david childress is one of the correct me if i'm wrong one of the writers and i think maybe even executive producers of ancient aliens not only that he gets interviewed on the show constantly constantly yes he is he's on the show i him him and Giorgio it's so wild to me that Giorgio Tsoukalos is the one that I mean obviously he looks the most memeable but uh yeah David Childress is on the show all the time and he dresses in a a cute little Indiana Jones outfit when he goes on location because he thinks he's really really cool and really badass but he just looks adorable and I think if we all told him he looked adorable he would probably hate that (laughs) so I just like uh, this book exists and so I'm just like okay I'm starting to see the lines are starting to connect to me in a in a grid you would say yeah yeah (laughs) so i I was like okay like i gotta figure out like what um where this is coming from uh Mm -hmm. what their sort of connection is and i make a reference to a guy by the name of ivan sanderson and i'm like okay i'm gonna look into what this guy is about and find out what his particular world grid theory is 
And okay. he um, did make uh, a, a theory about world grids. Wasn't his main gig. His main gig was actually, um, he was a big cryptozoology guy. Um, mm. He wrote a lot about paranormal activity and especially cryptids, which is sort of a term for like uh, mythical animals. You know, your Loch Ness monsters, your big feet, uh, your um, Ogo what Pogos. One? Yeah. Your, what was the one that Thought Slime said? That oh, yeah, you're, said? Um, yeah, you're uh, Fresno Nightcrawlers. Fresno Nightcrawlers, the most vibing cryptid. Yeah, the most vibing cryptid. The official cryptid of it's probably not aliens. I think so. So he was mostly about that. Uh, he was reportedly a biologist at one point, and he, but he founded a uh, group called the Society for the Investigation of the Unexplained uh, to show what specifically what vibe this guy is giving off. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But specifically, in 1972, he published an article by the name of The Twelve Devil's Graveyards Around the World. Oh, where no, that's that's a good title. And he even published it in Saga magazine, which I found is just like like a pretty big magazine in the UK. Like it's wow. sort of like a people at magazine esque type thing where it's just like it's a magazine about a lot of things, but just happens to be really popular in the UK. Yeah. Um, and in that, he basically looked at the globe and found that there are uh, 12 geometrically distributed areas that um, are arranged oh. in a pattern. And if you look at all these places, they all look like they uh, in these places that are known for having strange supernatural phenomenon. Uh, probably the most famous one that you would know of is the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, of course. Of course. Everyone, oh, everyone loves to talk about that one. Yeah, which I think it should be its own episode because they talk about the Bermuda Triangle in the next episode of Ancient Aliens as well. So, oh, yeah, we have to do Bermuda Triangle. We, uh, yeah. Pythagoras would go wild over it. Yeah, because um, apparently, according to Ancient Aliens, um, the Bermuda Triangle is where the aliens have their underwater base. So uh, we'll get oh. into that at some point. That's um, fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's for a future episode. Get subscribed. Follow this show. But, but then he also mapped out and showed that there's a place called the Devil's Sea in the sort of uh, sort of near Japan. And what I what I cannot find any sub uh, substance on at this point, um, the South Atlantic anomaly. So that there all of these huh. are all within reach. And then uh, he basically started to pull this into a whole theory that there's these anomalic regions around the Earth that are um, that are sort of follow a pattern. And that strange phenomenon happened in them, things like disappearances, UFO sightings, or poltergeist activity. And what mm. he put together, he called the uh, vile vortex or vile, ver- vile vertices. And um, there's actually a map here of this sort of thing of all the map, uh, all the, the, vi- the vile vertices was my favorite series of unfortunate events book. So, <laughs> but yeah, like it just like he, he, he drew this thing and was like, Hey, triangles. Uh, and what's funny about them is that not only uh, we'll get into this in a second, but like not only are many of these not famous sites but they are like places like he's like this place had some megaliths therefore it's a vile vertice or like one of them is just Easter Island. Oh, you know, where all the, <laughs> where similar scary things happen. Where things are. <laughs> yeah. This, there, there are things in this triangle too. There are, there are things in this one. Now I'm looking at this. You've, we have to tweet all these maps that you've, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that you've done. Um, I'm looking at this map and it's got all these triangles on it. Um, if you can imagine just like, if you can try and make the earth flat, cause it is, um, and you, you put it on a, you know, you just put it on a flat plane there, there are an even distribution in like top and bottom of these triangles. And then can they're connecting lines in between them that also form triangles. Do those triangles mean anything? I don't know. <laughs> okay. It feels almost intentional to be like triangle, triangle, triangle. And these triangles are connected by other triangles. Everything's a triangle. Yeah. Cause the earth is a D 20. That's so right. Those are the, those are the vertices. Like those are the places like as uh, those Russian scientists talked about the sort of like corners of these sides of the earth on the 20 sides I of the earth. See, um, I see. Yeah. Um, so like looking into these claims that Ivan Sanderson put out um, that like looking at, uh, let's look at like the Bermuda Triangle very uh, claim. Like one of the ones he talked about was uh, that on December 5th, 1945, five TBM Avenger torpedo bombers disappeared after taking off from Fort Lauderdale Naval Air Force Base on a patrol. Mm. Uh, and according to him, the pilots were in radio contact right up 
up until they disappeared, reporting that they had no idea where they were and that the ocean looked wrong. What does that mean? Yeah, and that a Martin Mariner was deployed to search for the planes that it disappeared within 15 minutes. So what's interesting about this is that um, the problem is that that's not how that went down. Oh, it was um, a lie? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, well, specifically, um, he, he omitted the part where a lot of these pilots talked about them being lost and running out of fuel. <laughs> oh, and you do need fuel to stay in the air when you're a plane? Yes. Okay. Um, wow. So they probably, so they, they're probably, they sound like they were in trouble. Yes. And then the tanker that went to go look for them had, uh, that went to go look for them went with a lot of fuel. Okay. Um, so could stay in the air forever. Well, it was a boat. Oh, that would be weird then, huh? That would be weird if the boat flew away then, huh? <laughs> the flying boat. Um, but the thing is, uh, okay. they say that it disappeared within 15 minutes without a trace, except that its disappearance was less of like a, you know, disappearing into the mist as it was an explosion. <laughs> oh, because of all the of all the, oh, the gas. The fuel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Because it was loaded heavily with fuel and likely had vapor leaking out of it that caused an explosion. <laughs> okay. So equally mysterious things. Mm-hmm. And that uh, some people noticed an oil slick in the water as well. <laughs> Another one they claims is a, a place called the Devil's Sea, which is off the coast of Japan, which, according to legends, uh, have been the site of a whole bunch of disappearances. Uh, the government once declared it unsafe. Oh, wow. Um, and then uh, apparently uh, Sanderson went on a, a show called The Dick Cavett Show. Uh, and when he went on the show to talk about this, the other guy he was talking to, I guess, was like a World War II veteran. Uh, mm. And they were kind of talking about how like they kind of instead of like facing a hostile interview, they sort of like compared notes live on TV. Very good journalistic integrity. But one of the things that uh, Sanderson was very uh, wanting to point out is that they're not triangles. They're lozenges. What? They're lozenge shaped, not triangle shaped. Like like a vi- like a Vix. Yeah, sort I guess. Of thing? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that means. Lozenge shape. Huh. Mm -hmm. But like while some of his, uh, some of it, like as I mentioned, while some of his triangles contain Bermuda triangles or devil's seas, some of them to fill out the world had things like a volcano or um, megaliths in Zimbabwe or just Easter Island. (laughs) Right. Just sites that people, that things might exist in yeah. or around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's like the most I could find about vile vertices. Um, okay. That's, that's literally the whole thing is some cryptozoologist who actually didn't care too much about this, wrote this one article in the 70s that got a little bit of attention uh, and I guess got picked up by ancient aliens to talk about this one thing. Um, can I can I ask, um, can I ask a clarifying question? I mean, this is, this goes back a little bit further, um, but when you were talking about the Piri Reese map leading back to Mecca or just leading back to where they thought was like a pyramid or something, whatever. I don't know. Um, does that only work if they assume that the Piri Reese map is not Antarctica? Like they have said before. Ooh, um, that would be a very good question. If like the, the, the accuracy of the map based on the lines leading to Egypt necessitate the Antar- I my guess is that it probably doesn't because Antarctica is way further south than the maps thing, but, um, yeah, because that was the whole thing with the Piri Reese map is that they thought it was Antarctica, but it was most likely the coast of Africa. It was and the coast of South America. They oh, just sort of, of South like America. Um, yeah, they basically just didn't realize like whoever was charting the coast didn't realize that, that they had started moving. Uh, that I they, just, they thought yeah. they were going east, but they were still going south. And so I just think it would be very funny if yet again, we found two theories in ancient aliens, ancient astronaut theory that are mutually exclusive <laughs> where you cannot have them both be true, mm-hmm. where the Piri Reese map only connects back to, uh, to Mecca. If you don't take it as being Antarctica, precisely, you know, that would be um, funny to me anyway. So, yes. Yeah, so, so to kind of go bigger though, is like, okay, this can't just be the whole thing, right? It can't just be this one guy. There has to be something bigger. And that's when I'm like, Oh, this is them doing ley lines. This and is ley lines. And so I was like, I'm doing the ley lines episode now. We're doing it. Um, so we're going to talk about the sort of um, other thing that, that gets brought up in a later episode of Ancient Aliens in reference to the Cholula Pyramid as well, All which right. is sort of these ley lines that circumnavigate the planet as like a sort of power source. Uh, and Finally. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about, about this. Um, Let's do it. In just a second.
talk to me about these ley lines. I'm excited. This this snuck up on me. I didn't realize this was a ley lines episode. I mean, you, you said world grid theory, and I was like, okay, this is interesting. But now it, it all bleeds into uh, ley lines and how they're definitely about ghosts. And I was right mm-hmm. the whole time, right? Yep. All right. Um, yeah, ley lines are an interesting thing in the world. So we're we're that we're going to talk about um, this whole strange sociological phenomenon really of the finding of ley lines but it was a real um it was a real thing for like a little while in the 70s when people were really into it but basically here's the idea behind it is that yeah, hit me with it people have looked you know researchers millions of people around the world have yeah. um have looked at things like big natural phenomenons famous mountains or um holy sites or things like that things that were considered sacred to the people who lived there at the time and drew lines and basically concluded like look all of these follow these lines we draw on the map. And that's like, and, and like, and, they're they all connect, uh, they connect together. Yeah. So the, the, this is coming from like a few things, which is that like there was at a time um, in the British Isles specifically, because a lot of this is focused in Britain right. between like ancient Druid sites, right? Like ancient Celtic sites and stuff like that. Sure. There were like these old trails that would connect them directly and they got the nickname um, fairy paths. And so they're like these sort of like, you know, little trails that go through the countryside that um, connect these different hilltop regions and stuff like that. And uh, a sort of folk belief built up around them that it was uh, dangerous to walk on those paths on certain days because you might uh, you might interrupt the fairies who will come mm. and, uh, and and they don't like you, you know, walking in their territory. They're not fun fairies. They're not they're not like a tooth fairy that's going to give you a dollar. These are the mm-hmm. bad. These are the tooth fairies from Hellboy 2 that will eat you. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so that sort of developed into the 20th century of uh, people believing that ley lines are these like alignments that ancient societies recognized as uh, powerful energy veins of the planet and that ancient societies built their structures along them in order to harness their power. And it got picked up specifically by a group called the Earth Mysteries Movement, Uh but it's become popular in a lot of sort of esoteric belief traditions. And uh, sometimes the ley lines mean Earth energies, but sometimes they're also guides for alien spacecraft. Right. Yeah. They need that. They need multiple purposes. Yeah. It's it's very helpful. It's very helpful for the aliens to have that built in. Not pulsars, uh, which would be the more common thing that they will probably use for navigating space. Like, you know how we have GPS? They've got ley lines and they're way more accurate. It is true. Um, So if the GPS satellites ever go out, then we will find your local ley line find your local ley line be wary of the fairies yeah beware the fairies you just got to go get your dousing rod which we're 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 back on that again it's the greatest hits um this all came together though when a a book called skyways and landmarks came out in 1961 by uh tony wed um Mm. and basically pointed out that that he basically believed that uh a previous uh person like thought of this idea of like lays and he said that they're they're real that there were ancient markers to guide alien spacecraft visiting earth um so he compared the ideas of this guy named Watkins with a ufologist by the name of Amy Michelle, who um, argued for the existence of Othonese lines that the aliens traveled on. So that's where this all this kind of like this person took lays and then took these lines for the UFOs from this ufologist oh, in France and made created. like, what if lay line? What if lay line? Yeah. How do lay line? How do lay line? <laughs> Um, so Tony Wedd suggested that this spacecraft were either following ancient landmarks for guidance or that both Lays and the spacecraft were following the magnetic current flowing around the Earth. Magne- See, the magnetic thing I would understand, that makes, that like feels like something to me. The thing is like, I don't think that magnetism works that way. Like, I think that when we draw it as lines, it's because we're trying to show that it's it's a field. It's not lines. Okay. <laughs> but okay. that's, that's the I don't know. Um, Are you trying to tell me that when Jack nobody Kirby knows was, how magnets work? So. Yeah, when Jack Kirby was drawing X Men and he was doing Magneto and he made those little magnetic lines. Are you telling me that's not an accurate scientific representation of how magnets work? I think it is, um, but specifically just for Magneto. Just it's mutant magnetism. Yeah, it's mutant magnetism. Different type sense. of magnetism. Different. It's like yeah. animal magnetism. That's right. He just, he, of, he just turns on the metal and it comes to him. It tur- Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> 
that's why he can attract also all the metals, not just the ones that are na- naturally magnetic. You know? Yeah. He's got he's got that mutant magnetism. You know that I still like two or three times a year just remember the outrageous scene in uh, X Men where he breaks out of prison because um, freaking uh, Mystique puts Mystique more iron in his prison blood. with blood. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah the guard with <laughs> with more <laughs> iron in his blood. And yeah. he just sucks it out of his body. I'm like I when I was like twelve or thirteen, I was like that is the bossest move ever. And now I'm like, oh yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, and then of course, you, I, mean, I mean, the confidence that Magneto gained in that moment made Sir Ian McKellen uh, just sexually magnetic in my eyes. So mm-hmm. it was working on all sorts of levels. Yeah. Happy Pride Month, everybody. Happy Pride. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, but this idea from Wed got picked up by a guy named John Mitchell, who made a 1967 book called The Flying Saucer Vision. And that book got really popular. I promoted that basically ancient astronauts are a thing and that extraterrestrials assisted humanity during prehistory and that humans worship these entities as gods and that the aliens left when humanity became too materialistic and technology focused which mm. um, we're going to come uh, into this again and again because the Earth Mysteries movement, which sort of springs out of this, also complains about Earth being too technological and materialistic. Um, I would actually argue that a lot of our problems come from the fact that we're not materialistic enough because we focus more on abstract concepts of how the world should be rather than like whether or not people have food and homes maybe a different type of materialistic but uh, <laughs> maybe different types yeah um so yeah that uh humans materialism is driving us to self-destruction uh but that could be rev- that could be prevented though by solving the energy crisis by reactivating the ancient centers <gasps> and that would renew our contact with the aliens renewable energy and aliens so so what we need to do is we need to turn on all of the turn ancient the sites like they're like you know antenna or something to attract the aliens back someone tripped over the the earth the earth plug and it got unplugged from the wall outlet and mm-hmm. we got to plug it back in yeah you just got to turn the earth off and on again yeah reset the earth that feels like I'm calling for a mass extinction. I don't want that. I, I like, I want to be alive. Yes, just please. Gonna reboot the router. Um, <laughs> it's like anytime the internet goes down, like they're like, what's it called? The, inter- the, the wire could be like dangling from your house and it could be like shooting sparks and on fire. And they'll be like, did you try turning your modem off and then on again? <laughs> uh, so this got picked up by another, uh, Mitchell parroted this in another book uh, in 1969, which is called uh, the view over Atlantis which has been described as the founding document of the modern earth mysteries movement. Um, and he mashed together the sort of fairy line thing with a concept from China called Lung Mei, which is a sort of energy line that exists in that. Okay. Um, and that, that, that an ancient society that once covered much of the world established the ley lines across the landscape to harness Lung Mei energy. Um, which apparently Lung Mei, he translated Lung Mei saying that they were called dragon paths and sort of took English mythology about killing dragons and basically said that the dragon slayers were the villains of the story that caused the aliens to leave and the dragons were the aliens. And that actually does line up with other ancient. I was about to say this might be another contradictory, but no, actually, this lines up with other ancient astronaut theories where dragons are aliens. Yeah, uh, we're probably, someday we'll do just dragons. We'll do a dragon episode with this ancient aliens is such a rich well of (laughs) so many things that we can talk about Mm -hmm. on this podcast and we'll get to all of them and we'll be 80 years old when we finally run out of ideas oh man ancient aliens if it ever gets canceled which is not happening by the way they just it's not happening they just really had a green a movie uh oh my god well we have to talk about about this you did not tell me about that yeah, um, one second, because it's like, it's, it's, um, yes, uh, because it's being made by the people who made Cobra Kai. Okay. Um, I've heard good things. And it's being made at Legendary. All right. And it, it's, it's, but it's like a narrative thing. It's not just like a bigger episode of their show. I think so. Um, it's being, yeah, it's being, uh, directed by a guy named Josh Heald, who's, I, I, I haven't watched Cobra Kai, so I don't know anything I, about it. I don't know anything. Yeah. I've not seen it either. Well, Listeners, rest assured, we will cover the movie when it comes out. It is our duty to cover that movie. My guess, Uh if I were to make any 
many thoughts is that if they're making like an ancient aliens movie, that it's going to be, it's going to, this is, this is, this is my like, uh, you know, putting the, putting the card to my head and guessing yes. it's going to be like the movie. Uh, what was that movie called? Um, the Da Vinci code where it's going to be a fictional story, but it's going to, but it all could make, be. it's going to be just, just bullshitty enough that, uh, people are going to think that the, while the, the story is fake, uh-huh. the history they're talking about is real. Hey, can I just throw it, throw it out there? Um, mm. when that movie comes out, if it gets a lot of press, uh, I think, I think this podcast is going to do pretty good. <laughs> I think this podcast yeah. is going to pop up in a lot of search, search recommendations. That's I true. hope, I hope it does. Hey, when that movie comes out, share this show with everyone, you know, <laughs> all right, we got to get back to this topic. We still got a lot to go through. Yeah, it's true. So yeah, Lung Mei lines. Uh, so obviously taking a completely different tradition and just translating it. I'm not using any of the cultural context to just be like yeah it's all the same thing it's It's dragons yeah Um, dragons are aliens yeah so this book has been described as in, uh, creating a religious feeling that while not Christian was heavily influenced by Christian models and that it has a sort of evangelical and apocalyptic tone. And apparently in it, it announces that there's going to be a coming age of Aquarius in which we would restore the ancient wisdom. Roll a wisdom saving throw. <laughs> and then Mitchell also uh, invents a whole bunch of claims about archaeological evidence to suit his his assertions. Mm hmm. Uh, including turning archaeologists into antagonists and seeing them as the personifications of modern materialism. Oh, that's when the show is always like mainstream archaeologists always yeah. claim this, but we know the truth. They're PhDs and they're and they're knowing uh, things and their and the, their research that is more in depth than what I have done. Their their experiments. I read a book and I saw that there were two. I read a translation of a book and a book in English and I found the same word in both of them. So therefore, yeah, I drew lines between sites of things and that means something. I'm mm-hmm. sure of it. So he basically said this was like a, uh, a challenge. Um, he published a case study uh, on the West Penwith district of Cornwall, basically like mapping out all the ley lines he believed to be there and basically said, hey, archaeologists, why don't you go and look and see if you can like find stuff and even offered to donate a lot of money to charity if they could disprove his claims. <laughs> um, so that that's fun, uh, especially because like he decided to uh, count things like uh, rock, natural rock formations and then okay. also claim that like on the same ley lines were things that were from like the medieval age, but also from the Neolithic age and also from the Bronze Age. So there's no real uh, it doesn't seem like there's any real connecting tissue. There's no qualification that, ev- that that everything needs to hit. It's sort of just everything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So that's like one part of of the leyline stuff. But there's there's even more. Oh, great! Um, I love it. So uh, I we were talking about this guy referencing a guy by the name of Watkins. So we're going to talk about that, which was a guy named Alfred Watkins, who was a landscape photographer in Herod- Herefordshire. Yeah. Um, I don't, I know that like okay Herefordshire, uh, Worcestershire, Worcestershire, Herefordshire sauce. Yeah. Um, um, and basically made the point that uh, basically believed that ancient ancestors built things on these navigation points and that you know, this is this again. This is le- this is what ley lines came to be. Uh, yeah. that this this guy sort of laid out the idea that other people ran with and that it got expanded into the idea that ancient, that there was this hidden network of lines around the earth. OK. And apparently that idea really got picked up by the burgeoning New Age movement. Of course it did. And also um, dowsers specifically we've talked about dowsers many times on this podcast but basically they are people that believe that they can like find things like water using like dowsing rods which is sort of like metal rods i I realize that they make references to this in looney tunes yes uh with like the sticks Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's all i know about it yeah but what happened was is so like the new age movement picked up on it and that led to uh the ley lines becoming an entire like area of study uh lots of books and seminars and and ley line enthusiasts started to come out to talk about the ley lines and try to map them out and walk along
among them. Oh. Um, and that got picked up and incorporated into a whole bunch of other paranormal subjects. So dowsers got into it. UFO people got into it. Obviously. Atlantis people got into it. Crop circle yes. people got into it. Yeah. Um, what are crop circles if not round ley lines? Yeah, and uh, even people who are really into numerology really got into it. Of course which, uh, they did. Because, I mean, Pythagoras was all, was, he was there before it was cool. Yeah. Um, like numerology, I don't think we've talked about it on the show yet. It's basically like people who do divination uh, using like numbers, mm. like uh, like the amount of letters in your name or like the number letter, like the letter in the alphabet you are and all that kind of stuff. Like they use that kind oh. of stuff to, as like a form of like horoscopes and stuff like Is that. Is that, so. you know how you got that? What's that thing called where you've got the piece of paper and you do, and you know, I, oh, I'm yeah. trying to mime it, but I can't, I don't yeah, know that, what it's like, called. Those like paper cones that you make the with your hands. Cones. Yeah that you do what are they called where you someone says pick a number and you fold it a certain number of times in your oh fingers God. I'm if doing the miming name, I don't so know. I'm doing the miming so hard and I can't even describe you know what I'm talking about and then you, yeah. you do it enough and then you open it up and it's got your fortune, fortune or whatever yeah, yeah. Um, but I also know that numerology is kind of like a big deal in a lot of this will also like show the same see that everyone's working in it's very big in Kabbalah and uh, a lot of Jewish mysticism stuff um numerology shows up in a lot of like Jewish mysticism. So um, that, that plays a big role. There's some people who think that like um, 666, the number of the beast in the Bible was a reference to oh. uh, the, the Roman Caesar at the time. Okay. So because of the, using the numbers to represent his name or something like that. Oh, Hey, I looked it up. I, and I, I thought this is what they were called, but I didn't know if it was like a colloquial thing. And it still might be um, the things that I was describing is a cootie catcher. Oh. Did you know that? Have you heard that term? No. no it might no. be a colloquial thing, but cootie catchers. That's numerology. Should we see like I always think of like I always think of cool merch ideas that would be literally impossible to make feasibly. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, the um, what's it called? The the it's probably not aliens cootie catcher. We can make it a, a digital template. Yeah, that just be a template. PDF that you yeah, print, that you can off print and, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a can, free that's a free thing we can give away. That'd be fun. That's true. That's yeah. true. Um, Let us know if you actually want us to do that. And what it would actually have in it. <laughs> and yeah. And tell us at uh, Probs Not Aliens on yeah. Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yay. Plugs. Uh, so this all this all inspired a group of ufologists to uh, make something called the Lay Hunters Club. That sounds cool. Which is a group of people who traveled around Britain trying to find where ley lines were and connect various structures. Often going to churches um, because they believed that many churches were built on top of pre Christian sacred sites so that these could be places where the ley lines could run along and make their little connections. Mm. Um, and this started picking up in the 1970s and 1980s. Uh, one guy by the name of Philip Heselton got so into it that he started Lay Hunter magazine. Oh, no way. Yep. Um, and Lay Hunter got so popular. Oh, no, it got really popular because it was sort of a thing in archaeology that you could do that didn't require getting a degree in archaeology. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That was the way that it was described to me is yeah. that people really got into it because you could go and visit sites and all that kind of stuff and think that you were doing archaeology, especially like magical archaeology, mm-hmm. but you didn't have to have all of those troublesome degrees or write all no. those boring essays or whatever. No, you're hunting lays. You're a lay hunter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they even like actively try to do that. Like uh, they welcomed those who had, quote, a strong interest in the past, but felt excluded by the narrow confines of orthodox academia. It's again, mainstream they're all arche- yeah, mainstream exactly. archaeologists say, yeah. No. Oh, it's they're back at it. And of course, uh, apparently these activities find ley lines involved a whole lot of numerology and dousing just to fill in the just to find these things, you know? Mm-hmm. So they had their cootie really, catchers so, at the ready. Yeah. For so for a long time, um, archaeologists like for archaeologists didn't pay attention to this. Mm-hmm. Um, Why would for, they? For, yeah, for exa- yeah. Yeah, exactly. But uh, in 1983, um, two people, uh, archaeologists by the name of Tom Williamson and Liz Bellamy, wrote a book called uh, Ley Lines in Question. And they pointed out some some interesting facts about Britain specifically, because a lot of this was just going on in Britain. Um, mm-hmm. They pointed out things like the British landscape is covered in historic monuments and that it would be statistically unlikely that any straight line could be drawn across the landscape without passing through several of these sites. Yeah, so it's just so dense. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Um, if you've ever been to the UK, um, I've only been once 
And uh, yeah, there's a lot of you can, like, lot. You, can, you can just like be in a bar and they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. This bar was started in the year 982 A.D. And I'm like, oh, oh, OK. Oh, that's old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Run by um, the original staff still. <laughs> you just pan over to see skeletons clinking your yeah. glasses. Good drink beer mugs together. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be a skeleton. Yeah. A drunk skeleton? Who wouldn't want to be that? Uh, they also pointed out that a lot of lay hunters would say that certain sites were from the Neolithic age. Uh, and so they were roughly from the same time, but they were from like extremely different ages. They would say things that were like from the Iron Age were Neolithic. They would say stuff from the medieval age was was Neolithic. Uh, they were just make, either making stuff up or getting stuff wrong. Yeah. It turns out that this is why you get degrees in archaeology. When you study it. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, but yeah, the overall message was that ley lines um had no basis in empirical reality <laughs> huh um and this this divided the lay hunter community some thought that uh some moved in the sort of more esoteric direction and said well ley lines are not empirically provable but mm. that they you can't prove it with evidence because it's a spiritual matter you know this is a this is a this is a faith thing this is a religious okay. you know spiritual thing and that archaeologists are just being narrow-minded about what they believe reality is. Interesting and, tactic, yeah. The other people in the community believed that archaeologists were just being closed-minded and that they just needed to go and find enough data to convince them that this was a real thing. Ah, do it harder. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which they believe, like, which is interesting because apparently th- this movement was always torn between this sort of, like, rationalist side and this mystic, mystic side. Yeah. And this sort of uh, really split the move. Yeah. Is it a tangible thing? Is it a spiritual thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, ley lines started to greatly decrease in popularity uh, to the point where Lay uh, Hunter magazine actually uh, ceased publication in 1999 in the last uh edition of it the editor wrote that basically the idea of ley lines was dead oh brutal yeah but belief in ley lines still exists among some esoteric groups the belief that there are ancient earth energies has uh basically become a mainstream part of the new age movement in europe and america mm. uh to the point where it's almost like a tenet of their religious beliefs and that really there is nothing to convince them that ley lines are hokum because it's sort of it's just sort of just part of their faith now. Sure. Um, also in the 70s and 80s, the neo-pagan movement, which are sort of people trying to revigor or re-innervate um, sort of old religion, old European religions from the pre-Christian times. Mm-hmm. Uh, ley lines sort of fed into a lot of their stuff. And so a lot of like modern day druids mm. believe in ley lines, especially because Stonehenge is like one of like the it's ley line classic. places. Yeah. 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 Big stones? How'd they get there? I don't know. <laughs> Ley lines. Yeah. Um, and also in Seattle, um, a group of dowsers called the Geo Group uh, basically plotted out what they thought were the ley lines across the city. Mm, and um, it all connected back to Starbucks. That's yeah. so weird. And what do uh, they have? A siren on their cup. Is true. this some sort of mythical sea creature they're trying to tell us about? What are do, they up to? You what know, do I, they know? I found out embarrassingly recently that that's a reference to Moby Dick. Oh, yeah? I believe. I, I think. Yeah, Starbuck is a character in Moby Dick. Tells you what I know. Let me just make sure uh, that I am right on that. I know it's a reference to a book. I think it's Moby Dick. Yes. Yeah. The first uh, the first mate of the Pequod mm. is named Starbuck. Well, it took it me is, until embarrassingly more recently to <laughs> learn that because you just told it to me right now. Yeah. I, I So so there you go. Starbucks uh, possibly cha- uh, traces its name to Moby Dick, the whale, the whale and book. Is, and it's possibly where all the ley lines converge mm-hmm. in Seattle. Um, according to Geo Group, this project to map out all the ley lines in Seattle was uh, made uh, Seattle the first city on earth to balance and tune its ley line system. And this got controversy because this little project received $5,000 from the Seattle Arts Commission. (laughs) So um, the taxpayers paid for that one. (laughs) Oh boy. And it received a little bit of criticism because it was quote unquote, a waste of money. (laughs) 
We did it. We, we found all of the lines. All right, cool. Now what? Now we go home. Yeah, we, we did, did it. it. We did, we it, guys. did it. High five. Good job. We um, drew them out, which means we'll have more energy now. Just like the energy I get from a Starbucks espresso. It was all sponsored by Starbucks. I, Everything. It all traces back. Yeah, I went to a Starbucks today. Starbucks, eat fresh. That's them. <laughs> I had a latte. A lot of what? A lot of coffee. A lot of coffee. Anyway, we got to we got to we got to keep going. Just we're losing it. We're losing the momentum. We're losing we're, the we're, steam. Uh, <laughs> we're losing the steam. Unlike the steamed milk on top of my frothed espresso drink that <laughs> oh I got. God, at are Starbucks. we actually sponsored by Starbucks <laughs> <No>. now? <laughs> um, okay, uh, no. Cause but um, if you do work at a Starbucks, um, unionize because unionize, that's happening. Baby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you won't find discussion of ley lines in a geography or a geology textbook because they're not real. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Scientists can find no evidence that ley lines are a thing. Um, they can't be detected by anything like a magnetometer. Only The only people who have been able to detect them have been doing so either using dowsing rods or by sensing their energy. So there's that. Um, P- yeah. Also, a lot of ley line experts can't de- agree on which sites count, uh, which should be considered data points or not. Mm. Uh, they choose some of the obvious ones like Stonehenge, the Great of Pyramids, course. Machu Picchu and such. But at a smaller local or regional uh, level, it's really anybody's game. Like how big of a hill does it have to be to be an important hill so that it's a ley line? Mm. Or um, which are we well- making mountains at a mole hill? Yeah. So we can't be doing that. Specifically, yeah. Or like, like what well are old enough to be important so that they can be a ley line too? No, they have to be old, right? They can't yeah. be, they can't just be like a new thing. Like I can't build, yeah, I can't build the, something. Yeah, I yeah, can't build a house. Ancient people had to uh, harness, you build it to harness its energy basically, right? Right. But the thing is that also means that they are choosing which data points they're going to include Ignore. or omit, which yeah. allows you to basically come up with any pattern you want. And I found this one person who was kind of rebuking it by making a ley line through London by mapping out pizza restaurants in the city and was able to find like a ley line of pizza restaurants through London. Well, I think that just means pizza's magical and we all knew that. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, there's like tens of thousands of data points around the globe of things that are considered ley lines. And because of that, they can really be put anywhere and fit anything. Um, Even places like castles, churches, mounds, stones, wells, crossroads, even some forests can be counted among these things. And in fact, there are so many points that um, by chance alone, connecting them will form straight lines and uh, make significant patterns. And yeah. in one article I read, they did point out that the Great Wall of China, <gasps> as one of them, is thousands of miles long. This is and what so, I was saying. <laughs> there are many parts of the wall that could connect with many imaginary lines drawn across the globe. That's what I said. I'm mm-hmm. a genius. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in a, in a way, um, a good analogy is that ley lines exist in the same same way that astrological constellations do. Um, you can draw or imagine lines connecting certain stars from the horns of the Taurus constellation right. um, or like, you know, the Libra or the Big Dipper. Um, it, that doesn't mean that those points are there to make that pattern. I'm sorry to any. Uh, I know that it's mm. actually kind of uh, kind of mean to talk about anything debunking astrology during Pride Month, but. um <laughs> 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 Oh, that was good. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, just drawing random lines between things because our brains like to make shapes and patterns does not give them any sort of actual significance. Uh Um, The way the stars are grouped and patterned, even though like and also their distance in relation, because some are way further away from each other. It's just from our perspective. So it's all arbitrary and artificial and it's not guided by anything natural. Our brains just love to find faces and patterns patterns and everything. Thing. Yes. We love connecting the dots. I mean, that's one of the, that's like a school, that's like a school game that you do. Connect the dots. We're trained. Yeah. We're indoctrinated, some would say, mainstream archaeologists trying to make us all think it was a game when it's actually real. You also will see, will see some patterns in ancient sites because they're not based on ley lines, but many of them are built because of practical considerations. Like they would build a building close to a place where they could get the materials to build that building that kind Makes of thing. sense yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also that a lot of them, um, a lot, like while they said like, uh, you know, a lot of these were built because they knew where the ley lines were. But as I mentioned, also gets included a lot of natural things like Mount Everest is considered part of a ley line thing, but nobody built Mount Everest. <laughs> Uh, another consideration, too, is that like people who built Stonehenge probably wouldn't have known about the existence of places like Mount Everest or Machu Picchu. And so they couldn't have intentionally built their monuments to intersect with these ley lines that emerged from those sites. Mm, but they could feel it with their dowsing rods and whatnot. I guess I guess like so this is this. So that's like that's ley lines. It's another case of um, us being able to be remarkable pattern finders, which helps helped us invent the internet and Coke Zero and other amazing things, but also leads us to find Jesus's in potato chips and, um, and, you know, seeing faces on the moon and constellations and ley lines. Yeah. So just to kind of cap that off. So where do the ghosts, where's the ghost part come in with ley lines? Is there ghost stuff? Did I imagine ghost stuff about ley lines the entire time I've been living on this planet? My guess, if somebody makes a claim about ghosts and ley lines, it's just that they're, that they are typically considered spots of supernatural activity. And so ghosts would probably be there. I would I wouldn't be surprised if someone said that the ley lines are the uh, place where the line between life and death is at its closest. And so things can cross over. Mm. I'm sure that is a thing. I'm sure that exists. But yeah, um, the Earth is definitely an oblate spheroid and not a D20. D20. Dang, (laughs) that's that's infuriating. I mean, if it was a D20, we don't even know what side it landed on. Right. We could we could build like all the countries could be on like what number of the diet you are. Okay. Like, I know, like there's, that. There's the, you like all the countries would be just the triangles of the earth. Yeah. Triangles of the earth. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's ley lines. That's, that's ley lines. World grid theory and uh, all of Low all poly of earth. Yeah. yeah. We covered it all. Well, I learned a whole lot. I learned a whole lot. We, th- we went into this episode thinking it was going to be a short one and then it wasn't. No, then we, it became one of our longest. Then it um, became one of our longest because we kept having tangents that I will probably cut out for time. But, hey, what happens, Tristan, what Mm -hmm. happens if someone rolls a a D20, if they're rolling an investigation check and they get a nat 20, what do they learn? They learn that uh, if you were to go to at Probs Not Aliens on Twitter, you can get Scott's uh, wonderful interactions with our community and all sorts of fun bits about the show and the making of the show. And uh, you're allowed to tweet, Tristan. It doesn't have to be just me. (laughs) Here's here's literally the here's literally the only thing holding me up. Every time I try to log in, it sends a two factor authentication to your phone, oh. and I'm like, oh, uh, sorry. Well, I'll try again next time, I guess. All <laughs> sure. right, we'll get that sorted. Uh, um, but yeah, like, but but we there there have been some amazing uh, listener submitted content that um, like yes. some great like art and stuff like that 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 gets retweeted. And it's really Quotes awesome from the episodes that people enjoy. Yeah, it's also great. So follow us at Probs Not Aliens uh, to keep up with the show and uh, and you all also have stuff outside of this podcast that you do which is weird to me i don't know where you find the time but uh, what I do you don't do know either <laughs> um but yeah i i run a youtube channel called step back uh where i make content about the past and its significance for understanding today uh usually in a context of the united states because that's actually my like area of expertise i just yeah. have a video that came out today that is about cops um mm. spicy one but uh way out of the topic of this what are, this what are, just just ballpark it what do we think of cops good bad um a lot of them are secretly members of right-wing terrorist groups um mm, okay gonna have to check out that video we'll have links in the description uh you can find me i also have a youtube channel it's called nerd sync n-e-r-d-s-y-n-c uh i make uh, video essays about nerdy things that i'm into comics cartoons superheroes movies i also am like dipping my toe into the youtube commentary space I made a video sort of reacting to the uh the the announcement of the new HBO Max Velma
Velma show. I'm a huge Scooby-Doo fan. My audience loves my Scooby-Doo hot takes. Uh, and that video is doing real good. So I, clearly I need to do more commentary stuff. Uh, wa- watch out, Danny Gonzalez. I'm coming for your throne. Not really. And yeah, you can find that links in the description as mm-hmm. well. What else can people do? What else can uh, people do to support the show? Oh, to support the show. I thought you meant just in general. Um, just you in general. If you could list you like eat, 10 to 20 things. You can yeah, yeah. Uh, breathe, metabolize. Uh, cool. Those kinds of things are really good. But um, if you want to help the show. Yeah, to help are, us specifically. Yeah, specifically um podcasts grow through two major things one uh whatever sort of podcatcher you're watching this on if it has some sort of rating feature uh, or review feature giving us you know five star thumb up or whatever and leaving uh, a comment about you know why this show is valuable to you that really really helps that really is how podcasts spread yeah because we can't wait we can't just sit around waiting for the ancient aliens movie to come out in the meantime we still got to keep growing exactly Uh, another way that you can do it is the most ancient way of spreading information uh word of mouth telling your friends mm. uh telling your uh you know showing people i know a lot of people who have taken up an interest in uh ufos recently because of all the stuff that's going on in congress so if if people are interested in that kind of talk and you know you're having the ufo talk you can be like hey there's a podcast i listen to that's about like kind of alien stuff maybe you'd be interested that really helps you wouldn't you'd be surprised how much that is really the engine on how these kinds of things grow so uh all of that greatly appreciated. Do we have to do an episode about that? About that news? About maybe, maybe I should. Uh, maybe maybe once it's like you know, cover something topical. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll take a look into it and see if there's anything worth jiving about. But you can tell if you're telling friends, then a good place, a great place to send them even uh, is probsnotaliens.com. It's got links to everything. You can listen on all the podcast platforms, including YouTube, where it's just, it's uh it's you know you can subscribe over there. I'm giving you you get all the calls to actions. You get it. You know how the internet works you can find us and find our show and uh listen and learn but uh yeah friends that's all for today just remember the truth is out there probably follow those ley lines the conga ley line. Dun, 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 dun. The ancient dun, druids dun, dun, dun. walking along the conga ley line. <laughs>